Good morning, Church of the City and visitors. My name's Mike. I have the privilege of serving here as a staff elder during this transitional season in the life of the church. Excited to be continuing this vision series this morning as we open up a new uh, chapter in this book. When I was um, before 2017, when I, I moved to Toronto with my family, I had pastored a church for 10 years. Uh, prior to that, I'd been a member of a church for 10 years. And I had visited other churches over the years, of course, but for the most part, I was in the same community week after week, which uh, that's, uh, we loved it, that's how we wanted it. But moved to Toronto, 2017, and had an opportunity to do some uh, church shopping. Um, guilt-free, I'm not trying to be consumeristic or anything, but it was an opportunity to say we're not committed anywhere yet, we can explore, we can visit different churches, take in what different people are doing, meet some new people, and, and that was a good experience, and you, you see very quickly um, something we knew, but you experienced it, that there's no two churches are alike, even if they're in the same denomination or tradition, even those you know, churches that try to say this is our thing, our brand, and we're gonna replicate it in different places. Every church has its own unique personality. A lot in common, but each one is distinct. So we visited a number of churches, got to know some people, and one Sunday we attended a worship service, and <clears throat> afterwards I turned to my wife and I said, I feel like I just came home at the end of a long journey. And of course, couldn't judge that entirely from one uh, Sunday morning, but as we got more embedded in the community there, that became our home for that season. And then in 2021, we moved to Waterloo and it was the middle of COVID restrictions and lockdowns. It was a little harder to, to do that and we had kind of worshiped with one community for at least attended a service uh, for a few months and then as things started to open up again we were going to start exploring other churches but we went to one on a Sunday afternoon and after the service my wife turned to me and she said feels like home and as we got more embedded into the community there it became our home church in our new city this is what we want. We want for you, we want for everybody to, to be in, in a church, part of a community that feels like home. Home isn't perfect, everyone knows that. Uh, but home is home. And we want you to find the place that is your spiritual family. We're not talking about being consumers and having everything that just fits your needs. If that's your mentality, then you'll every now and then go out looking again for, for something else, but at a deep level, want you to find your home. For many of you, that is Church of the City. If some of you are visiting here today, you may have another home. Others are, are exploring that. You may be fairly new here, or maybe you've been here a while and you're still trying to settle into where is your home. And so this vision series is an attempt to, uh, well, it is a, an exercise in e exploring and, and laying out what it means to be church of the city. What is this spiritual family like? Is this your spiritual home? 
We want to clarify that, even as it's, a, it's an exploration. It's something that we're doing together as a community. And, and I've come in as, a, as an outside set of eyes and someone who's not a regular part of this community, and it's been um, working with your various leaders and getting to know you. I, I'm really enjoying getting to know this church family and try to, to help understand who you are. So I feel the need to say that because as I get up here and talk about what it means to be the church family that is Church of the City, and you say, yeah, but you're not really like long-term uh, part, but it, it's, it's wonderful. We're brothers and sisters in Christ regardless. And again, getting to talk to your leaders and your people and get to know you and, and see who you are, getting a, getting a pretty good idea of who you are as a church. And thank you for the privilege of being along for this journey and to be able to even talk today as we start talking about core values. Over these next six weeks, we're going to be looking at six core values values. The consult report that Spencer mentioned, we sent a copy of this out to the church family a few weeks ago. Hopefully you've had a chance to read that and start processing it. Um, the very first recommendation that came, it listed some strengths, uh, some challenges, and then recommendations. And the very first one was to reaffirm identity clarify vision, and identify your, your target size. But really focusing on those first two, reaffirm identity, clarify vision. Uh, when identity, vision, and size are clear, many decisions will be obvious. And so that's what we're trying to do here um, through this series. And notice the language is to uh, clarify vision, not to go out and try to find some brand new one. It is to reaffirm identity, not to try to reinvent it. Um, it's, it's about drawing out who this church really is and trying to grow deeper into that. The last couple of weeks, Spencer's been focusing on mission and vision. And as I said, today we're going to start talking about core values. I'm going to be doing this over the next six weeks, core values. These are those things, trying to boil it down to a word or a short phrase of what is really most important at Church of the City. What is coded into the DNA of this place? What is essential to you as a church? What are your core values? Core values are important to identify. They help to guide decision-making and planning. And churches, businesses, community groups, even people have values. Um, and sometimes, many cases, identify these core values. They, and they guide decision-making. So if, if one of my values is environmental stewardship, that's going to guide decisions I make. If I have a, some styrofoam, in my garage, I'm not gonna go out and burn it in the backyard to get rid of it, and create a black cloud of smoke. That would be against my, one of my core values. Um, values are things like when you, you talk about your core values, you wanna find those things that are really true of you, but they'll always be aspirational to a degree. So, so they're actually true. You're living out of what really matters to you, what's in your DNA, even as you recognize and acknowledge that it's not as though you're doing so perfectly. 
back to my core value of environmental stewardship, um, I may, because of this value, uh, recycle faithfully and loyally. Um, and so it, it is true, but I may say, but there's still room to grow. Like I wanna cut down my use of plastic bags. So it is true, I'm living it out, but I still need to grow into it. So our values are always aspirational to a degree. What really rubs us the wrong way is when someone names a value and they say this is what's really important, but they don't actually live it out. If I say uh, environmental stewardship's one of my values and then I take that styrofoam and I say, oh, I gotta get rid of it somehow and I just put it in the fire. I'm, there's a conflict between me and what I say are my values. And so that's the thing we want to avoid. We want to name those things that are actually true, but we're still growing into them. And what, what core values do, they name what's really important and essential, and taken together, when you look at them as a whole, they will describe the unique personality, the unique ethos at the heart of, of an organization, of a church, and of this church. So that's what we're trying to do. So I want you to hear these each week, think about them, give, discuss them, give your feedback, and listen to the whole series. And, and I think you'll see that as we go through that, as you come to the end of that, you'll say, this describes Church of the City, what it means to be part of this spiritual family here. Which brings us then to the first of these core values that we want to focus on. Life by the word. Life by the word. We want to orient our lives and ministry by the truth of scripture. Now, as I said, core values are supposed to be Statements of what is already true. And according to what you yourselves believe and have said through the consultation process, through surveys that you completed, through many discussions that have been had, that this is a deeply held value at Church of the City. I mentioned that the report had a number of encouragements that it started with, strengths that the church should, could identify and, and build upon. And the first one listed was that this church has a biblically-centered ministry. They mentioned a number of, of, of ways that that uh, is true. The strong desire expressed consistently in responses in the surveys for holding to sound doctrine, sound biblical doctrine, especially in response to the question, what should never change here? There's a strong desire for the church to live out biblical commands regarding evangelism, discipleship, and community, a biblically-centered vision, an appreciation for biblical teaching and preaching ministry. 84% of people in the survey responded, agreed that God's word is communicated effectively, and 84% agreed that sermons are relevant. Sounds rich, me, preacher up here saying like, notice what you guys said, but this, these surveys were taken, I'd been here like a couple weeks and preached one time, so this isn't a ref reflection of me, but of your regular teachers and preachers, and not just what happens here on Sunday mornings, uh, some of this is about, a lot of it is about the sermons, yes, but about the priority of the word in, in MCs and in personal lives and in other ministry and community contexts, this is clearly something you've identified, something you value, and I can say, coming in from the outside, 
honestly, you won't pat yourselves on the back. That wouldn't be modest, but I will pat you on the back and I will commend you here and say, I've been really encouraged by the biblical preaching and teaching here and the way that this church embodies this really uh, earthy, missional uh, spirit with a deep commitment to God's truth. Those two things don't always go together. Keep that in mind because this starts to answer the question of why this church wants to identify this as a core value and why it it makes this part of this church's distinct personality. So the ministry of the word and the word of God is a priority here. We want to keep keep it that way and keep growing into that in ever deeper ways. And so is being named as a core value. When you... When your people are saying this is something that should never change, you know you're touching on something that really is core to the DNA of the community. So what I want to do in, in the time remaining today is, is briefly show the biblical foundation for this. In some ways that seems like it's not necessary. Like we already believe this, but that's, starting to think like that it would be a bad sign that one day you might not hold to this value anymore. So we don't want to forget the foundation for a value like this. You want to, time to time, keep revisiting that, fortifying. And then just talk a bit about why this church is identifying this as a core value. When it comes to the biblical foundation, there are some really great passages in the Bible about the Bible. And Naomi read one of them for us. It's a great place to turn. So much we could say, so much we could draw out of this. I just want to touch on some highlights, main points to, to um, show the, these truths from Scripture. Why the Bible would commend itself as something that ought to be a core value. Paul is writing to Timothy. So again, it's like a pastor writing to a pastor. And you often hear this kind of a passage taught on at like a pastor's training event. And people might wonder, is that relevant to us? It's in one of the pastoral pastoral epistles. But remember the pastoral epistles are letters to the church, not just to the pastor. So you're listening in on this conversation between the two, but everything they say, everything is relevant to the whole church. Pastors aren't some special class of people who have this particular connection with God while everybody else has some lesser connection. So my pastor at my home church likes to say, we just drew the short straw. Um, That's the only difference and have a particular role, but we may stand on this side of the, the pulpit, but we're all around the word and we're all in this relationship with God and pastors are called to set an example. So not like some different class, they're called to try to be like just one step ahead. That's, that's the effort to, to set an example. Sometimes people are many steps ahead of us and just living that Christian life. All that to say, so yeah, some things that Paul says to Timothy are particular to his ministry, particular to his ministry as a preacher, by and large relevant to all of us. We're just gonna approach it like that. We're listening in on uh, instruction about our our lives as Christians, as disciples. The context here is really important because it 
paints a backdrop for why this is going to be identified as a core value. We, did, we didn't read it all, but if you were to go back to the beginning of, the, of chapter 3, because the passage that we read started with, uh, but as for you, so you know there was something else that came before that that is being contrasted with. And, and Paul began back in chapter 3 by saying this. He said, Timothy, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. So the context is pretty ominous. They're not going to read it all, but I'll tell you, Paul describes it, and it's a zinger. Like, he says, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, and he goes on. People will have the appearance of godliness, but deny its power. Burdened with sins, led astray by passions, learning, never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Paul says, in contrast to this, I lived a different way. Timothy, I want you to live a different way. I want the church, the people there in your church, not to get swept away in this godless atmosphere that's, that's making inroads into the church. That's what Paul's saying. I want you to go a different way. <clears throat> and in that context, <clears throat> he reminds Timothy, he reminds us of the nature, the purpose, the power of Scripture to keep us close to God in God's will. First reminds us that Scripture, the written word of Scripture, is the very word of God. Verse, chapter 3, verse 16, he says, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Some translations, it is inspired by God. Literally, it says it is God-breathed. What, that is a mysterious statement. To know exactly what that means is, is beyond us. But some people, some self-identifying Christian types and communities, have a view of the Bible that sees it as it's part of our Christian heritage. It's really like an ancient repository of human reflection on God. It's a discussion partner, but there's no real like, divine inspiration to it or authority to it. Nothing that we couldn't negotiate with and change some of the terms. That's not how the Bible views itself. Scripture, according to what Paul's saying here, is God-breathed. All of Scripture. John 3.16 Leviticus 3.16, not necessarily all equally clear or equally weighty in every situation, but all ultimately part of God's self-revelation to us. All Scripture is God's breathed. It's a one-of-a-kind book. We are open to searching for knowledge wherever it may be found in a university town here, many students here. We don't just restrict all our learning to the Bible, but the Bible is a one-of-a-kind book that can do what no other source can because of its nature as God's Word. The Bible doesn't just inform us, but because of its nature, it transforms us. God works through the Holy Spirit to transform us. In the first place, to save us. God's Word saves us. Paul says, Timothy, from infancy you've known the scriptures, the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation 
through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful way of putting it, a wonderful phrase that can make you wise for salvation. Biblical wisdom is all about, it's not about being philosophical and able to unravel naughty mysteries, naughty with a K. Um, <laughs> it is the ability to understand God's truth and apply it to skillful living. To be made wise for salvation is to understand God's plan of salvation such that you enter in and experience it, that you're saved, reconciled to God, brought back into right relationship with God. How does this salvation happen? The message is communicated to us through the word. We're not saved by reading the Bible. If you have a Bible reading plan, you read it faithfully every year, something like that, that's wonderful. Reading the Bible alone, checking those little boxes on the card, that is not what, what saves you. Remember Jesus talked to these Pharisees one time, he said, you study the scriptures. I mean, they were Bible people. You think that by them you have eternal life, but it is they that testify to me. And scripture is meant to lead us to faith in Jesus. It's exactly what Paul says here. They can make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And every part of the biblical storyline, including Leviticus 3.16, especially condensed in verses like John 3.16, feeds into the story of Scripture, the, the creation, the fall, the redemption and restoration we have through Jesus. God's Word saves us. Because when God speaks, worlds come into being. And He speaks the truth, the gospel into our hearts and we receive it in faith. We become new creations in Christ. God's Word not only saves us and doesn't just leave us there, it, then it continues that work. It shapes us. As Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and it is profitable. That, that kind of sounds like a, to me like an understatement. It sounds like you're saying, well, scripture can help you. Like it has a purpose in this work of shaping and transforming you. But it's really saying because of its nature as God's word, it has this unique purpose to shape our lives, to shape our ministries, to use some theological language to, to sanctify us, to grow us into Christ-likeness and prepare us for the ministry and mission God has called us to. That's what Paul says to Timothy. He says, the scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God, we're saying all the people of God, the follower of Jesus may be equipped for every good work. God's Word has this wonderful ministry in our lives. Graciously tearing down, note the rebuke, the reproof and correction that the Word does. I need that. My sins are to be identified. My selfishness. But God only tears down in order to build back up, to train us in righteousness and prepare us for every good work so that we would be complete spiritual mature, growing to be like Jesus and equipped for every good work. 
And for all the ways that the Bible teaches us how to grow to be more like Jesus, for all the ways the Bible equips us for mission and ministry, you just have to come back. Uh, like next week and the next 10 years, and that's a lifelong process. But our source for all of this is God's word. We have no way of doing this. Everything we want to do as a, a community, this mission and vision, the only power to do it is God's power. And he's, God's the one saying, I do this, I've spoken. He's spoken in his son. He's spoken through the apostles. We have the message in writing in scripture, and that is the source. That's why it ought to be a core value. From there, having established this, the nature and the purpose of Scripture, makes sense where Paul goes next. And Paul's like at the end of his life. He knows his time is coming very soon. It's one of those moments where it's like, I'm going to say what's really, really important right now. And this is where Paul says to Timothy, just calls on the host of heaven as witness. The presence of God, Christ, the angels of heaven, Timothy, preach the word. Keep the word central. Not just in your life, as he's just been saying, in the church, preach the word. Not your own ideas. Not the culture's ideas, as much as we can learn from them and want to interact and understand and appreciate whatever truth is out there, preach the word. Because it's God's word. Reveals God to us. And that's what we're to preach. It's what we're to study. It's what we're to read and meditate on. Here, the reunion, MCs, DNA groups, personal lives with your family. Word is to be preached in central, in season, out of season. You feel like it when you don't, when it's popular, when it's not. I'm still, uh, you know, I guess I'm old enough is the way of putting it that when I was a kid, I remember we prayed in school, public school, got a little Gideon Bible. Some guy came into class and gave you a Bible and wasn't that controversial back then. I'm not saying it was popular, but it wasn't as out of season as it is now. Whatever way the culture's going, whatever way it thinks about Jesus and the Word, in season, out of season, stick to it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. We already kind of talked about the tear down and build up we need and get from the word with patience. Love that. God's patient with us. He knows this is a process. So we're to, to preach and learn and grow with patience with one another and with ourselves. And Paul ends this plea on a warning. Not only does the word have this, it's important because of the way it saves and shapes us, but because it keeps us from wandering. Keeps us from wandering. He said some people are gonna get itching ears. Gather teachers, tell them things they wanna hear. They're going to stray from the truth. They're going to wander off into myths. This is a danger I want us to honestly face and think about. Part of me, I didn't want to end, like, bring the sermon to this point. This kind of seems like a, a downer. Um, 
I don't want to be a fear monger. And then I had to ask myself, Am I, do I, is that just my itching ears? <laughs> I want people to hear a positive message. I don't want anyone to get mad at me that we talked about, we sound like we're these, these Bible thumpers who are, who are paranoid about the state of the world out there. No, Paul's giving a very sober-minded warning. And he's saying, and these itching ears, I don't even want to point the finger and say someone else has itching ears. I want to look at myself. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. This has been a human propensity and problem from that point. Eve, she got her husband Adam in on it too. They heard a, a voice promising them something different from what God was telling them and they wanted this thing to be a God for themselves and they wandered off into a myth and were led astray. These itching ears can be, even in a church that says this is a core value of ours, can't take it for granted because there's a part in us that like you might get tired of your neighbors thinking you're weird or, or bigoted. You may find it growingly, increasingly uncomfortable to try to get to a point with your neighbors who are saying there's this sin that blocks us from God. You might want a more positive or palatable message or maybe you just there's things you want to do that the Bible says you shouldn't. You want to have, the Bible says you shouldn't have. There's all kinds of reasons why we might turn our attention away from Scripture, seek out other sources of authority, join some other church that's got a message we like better. We have to beware. And like Paul says to Timothy with confidence, he's not going this direction. But I'd say to this church, like, as for you, uh, be sober-minded, endure. Fulfill your ministry. Stay anchored to the word. And this really gets again at why this church would name this as a value and how it becomes part of the particular DNA and personality of this church. Because this is a church here that really wants to be, in a word, missional. You want to be in the world, but not of it. There's a particular danger that can face churches like this, so you need to be vigilant. I'll paint it with a contrast here. Maybe you've heard of the Qumran community. And uh, if not, you've maybe heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls, a bunch of ancient texts that were found in clay pots in these caves in Qumran. It's in the Judean wilderness. And there was a community that lived there in the time of Jesus. And I think maybe on the next slide, it shows picture of one of the texts that was found there. Uh, well, if that comes up, it comes up, but there's an old text of uh, the prophet Isaiah. And so when the, these scriptures uh, and old manuscripts were found in the late 1940s, and they'd been there for like a couple thousand years, really well preserved. So Bible scholars and archaeologists went nuts. This is wonderful. Um, they found all these ancient writings. The Qumran community, they were this uh, ascetic, kind of like monastic Jewish community that, had, that, that believed that the end was near and so they needed to get away from the world and prepare the way for the Lord. They were big Bible people. That's why we found all these cool biblical manuscripts in their caves. Big Bible people. They were committed to the word but for them that meant they got to get out of the world and they went and lived out in the Qumran in the desert. You don't live in Qumran. You live here 
And this is where you want to live. You live in the city. You want to be in the neighborhoods in this city. You want to be on mission. You want to know your neighbors. You want to be in the world. But not of it. I gather you're pretty earthy people, earthy spirituality. You want to enjoy the Father's world. It's art, it's music, it's, it's culture as much as you can. The finer gifts and in our Father's world. You want to reach real people where they're at. You want to be a church community where seekers can come, where wanderers are welcome and feel welcome, hoping they'll return home. I know this is the kind of church that you want to be. Kind that welcomes the mess of life, the brokenness of life, because you know that Jesus puts broken things back together. Look at the video we saw. You go into the world with the love of God that he has for the world, and you're right where Jesus wants you to be. Never change this. Just beware that many who have gone out before you with a very similar heart have strayed from the path. They have wandered off into myths, into a human-centered, recreated version of what the Christian faith is. People who start with a deep love for people and a desire to include. A people who want to see their communities, their neighborhoods tangibly improved. People who want to see the kingdom of God touch down on earth. And for some, not all, for some, this, a crossroads comes. And that message that we're actually sinners becomes alienating and uncomfortable. We become good people, essentially, with maybe some flaws. But when that happens, you no longer need a savior who died for our sins. And you, all you really need then is a great moral example and a good person, which is what Jesus becomes. The Bible becomes just a, this, an ancient book of religious reflection, not God's inspired word. I'm not suggesting for a moment the church of the city is on this trajectory. You're not. What I'm suggesting is just like Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, you're not going there. <laughs> this world around you is, I know you're not going there, but I gotta remind you, keep the word central. So you don't wander off, because it could happen. Keep the word central. Maintain it as a core value, because this is God's means of saving, God's means of shaping, God's means of keeping us from wandering off the path, so that you, as you go into and inhabit the world that God loves, you'll be used of him to experience life in Christ to draw others into that as well. Father, we praise you for the gift of your word. Save, 
shape, preserve us and keep us from wandering. Thank you that this is such a, a clearly held priority at Church of the City and may it continue to be that way. As this church, Lord, goes out into the world with your love. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.